Welcome to Hospitality News and Views. My name is Raj Rundawa. And I'm Richard Majewski. So how are you keeping? Well, thanks, uh, Raj. Yeah, um, the sun's shining today so uh, in West London. So um, Finally. Yeah. Finally. I mean, finally. <laughs> I tell you, you know, the worst thing. The worst thing has been when the, it rains and you don't expect it to. You know, when it rains and the sun comes out, you think, right, the rain stopped. Earlier this week, Radhanoid decided that it, it was really raining. It was peeing down like you wouldn't believe. And it stopped and the sun came out and it was just so wonderful. Radhanoid decided to go to the park for a walk and he got caught in the worst downpour <laughs> afterwards. And it's just like absolutely typical sort of the British weather. But it, it was just hilarious. When he came back, it was like, what happened to you? And the worst thing was we told him to take a coat and he didn't take one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It reminds me when you say British weather. It reminds me of a holiday once when we we stayed in the UK in Devon, I think it was, and it started raining really badly. And the, the farmer who was had agreed to drive us around his fields on on a tractor. His comment was, "Good growing weather." So that was our holidays in good growing <laughs> weather. <UK. laughs> yeah. I mean, I was talking to one of our customers um, in Cornwall, and when it was raining here. It was like hurricanes down there. I mean, it was so bad. Mm. And I asked her, no, it's, it's supposed to be ruining the, you know, the hospital, you know, the whole booking environment and you know, guests and all the rest of it. You know, they probably empty all the, she said, we're chocker. I said, what do you mean? Because people are so glad to be out. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And they've got tents that are barely pegged down <laughs> and sort of holding, you can imagine them for the whole week holding the fence down, tents down and trying to sort of, you know, keep their um, belongings together. And yet, mm-hmm. You know, that, that's how desperate people are to get out for a, you know, a holiday now. Out of the cities, yeah, and into the Gulf Stream Drift, or the hurricane, yes. as, the, as it's actually called. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> right. um, I mean, the other thing about this week has been that, uh, obviously, the football. Oh, don't yeah. start me with football. Oh, we've got to start with the football, because at the end of the day, <laughs> we're at the end of the season. Football yeah. is really important in that sense. And uh, yeah, definitely. You know, West, Ham, West Ham did well. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Are, are you actually starting to chew your fingernails in terms of what's going to happen tomorrow with the, the final? I mean, I'm kind of in denial that it's actually happening. I can't even think about it. Yeah. So, Champions League, definitely. And Brentford, of course, before yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, I've just got to be a fatalist, really, and say what will be will be and accept the results. Because um, if I were to re- react logically, um, I'd, I don't know what I'd do. So, so would, you, uh, you, you do realise that since the match is tomorrow, I've got to ask you for a prediction today to see what happens, and then you can sort of reflect on it after you've made your prediction. Um, I've even forgotten who 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 is it? What who are um, who are um, Brentford Brent- playing? I think it's Swansea, isn't it? Oh yeah, you're right, Swansea. Um, <clears throat> Swansea, Brentford. Well, two uh, one to Brentford. <laughs> I, I I actually think um, Brentford are going to win, even if they go one goal behind. Yeah, they've just been there so many times, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah it, it, it's a bit like the old Manchester City mentality, you know, that you don't think you're going to win. <laughs> um, I so think, you can. Yeah, and I'm sure that every Brentford supporter will be will be shocked when they do win. Mm. <laughs> they're going in to expect to win, and then they're going to be shocked that oh my god, we won! What do we do next? Yeah, um, and start apologising. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And as yeah. for Man City, Chelsea. <clears throat> Actually, before you say that, before you say that, do you hear this? Um, the, one of the big news items this week was um, Chelsea returning 800 tickets to UEFA. Do you hear really? That? Yeah. No. Yeah. They, they, because yeah, uh, because um, City, uh, the own, City owners have um, are, are paying for City fans to go over that. 
Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, but basically um, the supporters club, um, I'm assuming it's the supporters club that were given the tickets to then distribute. Mm-hmm. They actually returned them saying they were being fleeced. And they were being fleeced. If you actually think about it, they, they were being told, right, it's £400 a ticket. You then got to go on a chartered flight that UEFA have set up. So you got to pay whatever that fee is. And then you got to return within 24 hours. Yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. No. <clears throat> well, it, it, Ideally, you want to go there at least a day before. That's right. It's possible. Yeah, and then whole you want to be there yeah. a day afterwards, even if you've Absolutely. lost. You know, uh, well, you're going to sober up somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, but yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's it's part of the whole thing, isn't it? And I mean, if you if you think of the um, Villarreal United Manchester United game, it is very un- unusual to see so few United fans yeah. anywhere. And yeah, there were there were more Villarreal fans. It seemed like so. I don't think that Brits are. Uh, I don't know for one reason or another. Maybe it's the the airport, the queuing at the airports. Maybe it's some other reason, but um, they've not gone for it. But I, think, I think. Yeah, I think people are getting wary now. They don't want to be ripped off. You know, the, the, I was reading some stories where um, people are sort. It's actually very strange. There was a story where I think it was the hospitality, one of the. Um, one of the organizations, there's lots of hotels came out saying, uh, you know, we've, um, our revenues have fallen so much. It's a bit of an obvious thing. They've been closed for half the year. Okay. Yeah. And the reaction to it was, oh, you're not going to start fleecing us. And that, that's not the reaction. They just want people to understand that the industry's been through a really tough time. And yet you got people sort of saying, oh, we're going to get fleeced. And the reality is there are only so many hotel rooms. There are only so many service departments you can rent and all the rest of it. You're not going to get the price as it was last April or Absolutely last, not. you know, last June. <clears throat> so it, it, the price is going to go up, but it's going to be, it's not going to, it's going to be sensible. Hopefully it's not going to be stupid, but people need to understand that there's a, uh, you know, we're not trying to make, there's no way you can make up a revenue when you've lost half the year. But this idea that everyone's going to get fleeced, I think it's going to make people so wary. And I, I think that's going to stop people even going abroad. Yeah. A real kind of <clears throat> complicated calculation there isn't it obviously at the end of the day it's going to be supply and demand um thrown in there will, will be rapid repurp- repurposing of, of of buildings so that mm. if then there are astronomical um, accommodation rates then new buildings will be repurposed into accommodation and the rates will naturally come down but mm. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're very right, Raj. It's um, it's something across the board, whether it's um, leisure co- contractor or, or, or corporate. There will be higher rates when we all return um, with a vengeance uh, to the to the world that we hopefully that we once knew, and hopefully will be something similar to that. Yeah, I think there's also this balancing act. If people feel that things aren't too expensive, maybe they've got so used to being at home, they'll stay at home. And they'll just go out and do day trips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and with with the football, exactly. I mean, they'll, they'll watch it on to television. Anyone, not, not for city for, for football fans out there. I'm sure that was, that's a horrible sort of suggestion because you can't compare the experience, uh, TV and and being there. But um, in the circumstances, and with with the given risks uh, and the costs, then yeah, maybe I can understand that those tickets were perhaps returned. Yeah. Although, you know, I'm so, be, so now I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think? What do you think the result going to be? 
Depends on so much, really, doesn't it? I don't know whether Mendy is is still injured. He he was injured. The goal, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Chelsea goalkeeper. So um, the Chelsea attack absolutely terrifies me. Um, but the good news is they're always offside. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, so it could be a, a very kind of nervy game, but they won't they won't score. So um, I will say. Um, I can't see them not scoring though. They'll be offside. They'll, they'll be onside once. I'll say what well, I'll go for two one again for City. I actually think it's going to be three one, and I think yeah. City will win. And I think the um, and that's going to really upset people in the household because hey, they've got Chelsea fans. <laughs> <laughs> now that Chelsea are actually um, got guaranteed Champions League football next year, I think the, I think the edge has been taken off the what they're going to do. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I was kind of hoping for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Leicester fans do not want to hear you say that was kind of what I was hoping for. <laughs> no, and and uh, we've all been there, though. And we, I feel for anyone that, that, you know, I'm sure that people understand as a City fan, I've been there. You know, uh, I feel for anybody. Yeah. Who, uh, I even felt sorry for United fans. <laughs> yeah, especially on Thursday. Yeah, definitely. On Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wednesday, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really bad. All right, so what's been in the news? One of the things I thought would be worth sort of mentioning is that considering that last year, um, obviously everyone knows we've all been through a really, really bad, bad economic, um, an unprecedented period, really, if you, think, if you actually think about it. People are worried about their jobs. And the furlough schemes came in and obviously protecting a lot of jobs. And everybody, I think, was worried there's going to be, um, before the pandemic, there was always this thing about, oh, there's going to be staff shortages because of the Brexit scenarios. During the pandemic, it was like, everything's going to shut down. Where are the jobs going to be? There's not going to be any jobs. And now we find that in hospitality, pubs and hotels and so on are struggling to find staff and, and gearing up to opening up. So... I think it's worth yeah. sort of you know, talking about that and sort of you know, just working out what's going on there, and and it's, and also you know, what the impact of the extended furlough scheme into September is going to be as well. It is so complicated, isn't it? When you were describing that, Raj, I was I was kind of like thinking of the NHS track and trace thing, where if, you know if you could track and trace people that were in employment and what, because out there something's happening, and if you could if you could digitize it, if that's the right expression, and so let's figure out where people are going in and out of employment and where there is surplus um manpower if you like if uh, um then yeah it's, it's 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 strange isn't it that um what what's happening really so companies have retained their skill skilled and experienced um employees through furlough and that was a great idea but um so you're saying now that there is um, that there are insuff- there's insufficient supply of the yeah skills, that's what that's right? what that's what's being reported and it's really weird because um, if you actually think about it everyone's saying that they're worried about massive unemployment mass unemployment and yet with the industry which employs a lot of people is struggling to find people I mean in the states um, they've been they've got, it's, and it's not just in the UK it's actually in other countries as well. Uh, in the States, there was a story about, uh, I think it was in Texas, actually, where there's a restaurant owner, um, they literally got rid of all their staff, and then they struggled to find staff when they opened up. And they're now paying, what, $300 just to get somebody to 
agreed you know, to just go through as a as a not a finder's fee, but just as a welcoming thing to get people mm. to come on board. And and it's really strange. You, know, you think about last year when people were applying for jobs and they were being told, wow, you know, one vacancy, thousands of people are applying. And yeah. now we're in a situation where people are coming back and saying they're struggling to find people. I think one of the things is they always, when they do say they're struggling to find people, they never really describe what sort of people they're looking for. Well, that's right. And hospitality in itself, I mean, we, we've all been very happily involved in the hospitality sector industry, but it's certainly been highlighted the fragility of hospitality and people have will have left temporarily because it, it's been a, a fight for survival the past kind of 15, 18 months. And will they be reluctant? If they've not been furloughed, will they be reluctant to return to hospitality when they know that this kind of thing can happen to their, their work and their career, their jobs and their careers? So yeah, possibly. Yeah. I mean, the insecurity that comes with that is uh, significant. I mean, I think what's going yeah. to be really important is I really hope they don't delay opening up uh, from the no, they don't delay the date of June the twenty first. Um, I mean, can yeah. you imagine going through another three, four months of being closed down over the summer? It'd be a nightmare. So, it, I think that that kind of insecurity that comes with is that date still going to be there? Can you imagine if you're going to get a job today and you're suddenly told in a month's time, sorry, you know? Mm. Yeah, yes, and it's all of that <clears throat> returning to the office as well, and. How a bit like I don't know what meerkats do actually. I've not not even seen them in a, in a zoo, but I'm feeling a bit like meerkats, where you're thinking, "What? We can go out there now?" I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to know what percentage of the population were still concerned and to what extent about getting back to normal. Because if I speak personally, I'm I'm the meerkat that's down the other end of the bed. That's last yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, come yeah. Out. yeah. yeah no, I, I appreciate that. I think the other thing is that. Um, Obviously, with uh, it's constantly in the news is about COVID. I mean, if it's not if it's something in the UK, if it's going to be something in India, something in America, something in the EU, wherever. I think a lot of these sort of the uncertainty uh, also may be that people are not going to be confident until they're properly vaccinated. I mean, I don't know if you saw this thing. Um, this, I think it was this morning, actually, where they're talking about Bolton and they uh, were saying that of the people who are in the hospital, no, look, getting treatment in the hospital from the, the latest variant. The vast majority of those people have only had one jab or no jabs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So said that sixty percent effectiveness for AstraZeneca after two jabs is, is still still concerns me. Yeah, I mean, I, and yeah, and I think that the reality is there's always going. I don't think anything's going to be a hundred percent. And if it was a hundred percent, well, first of all, it's never going to be a hundred percent. But if it's hundred percent, if it's ninety-five percent today for one variant, who's to say it's going to be ninety-five percent for the next one? So I think there comes a point when you just got to have faith in the systems to look after you. Yeah. To yeah. Act, you know, otherwise, it, otherwise you're going to be fighting to go out. Yeah. Well, my mum always used to swear by whiskey, so maybe that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you something it was really. Uh, I tell you a really funny story. So basically, when I was a kid. Um, my when my mum and dad went out to work, I they they dropped me off at an Irish lady's house to look after me. Okay, and dad used to say that. Now I'm pretty sure he didn't mean it about me, but he used to say he used to say that you know some of the Irish families a little bit of whiskey just to just to let the kid rest a little bit, <laughs> quiet him down. I'll, 
Absolutely, I've known that one. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've not, we've not, we didn't try that one, but yeah, um, and our next door neighbour at the time with our first child, um, yeah, he, he was recommending Scottish. He was recommending uh, whiskey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't like to think how often that's that, how, often, how widespread that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So, so I think that the, obviously the job shortage is going to be interesting to see just what happens over the coming uh, weeks, really. And um, now that, and I think that with university coming to end, obviously, you know, are students going to be going holiday? Are they going to try to raise some money? And because you know, obviously, some is normally time when you get work, isn't it? So it's going to be interesting to see just what happens there because you know they need to be vaccinated. You know, the younger people need to be vaccinated. And the thing about Bolton, what I want to say was that you know a lot of the people who are actually in hospital are actually under the age of. 32. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, uh, sorry, it's under the age of It might be, it's 40, there's the now 30s. There. Yeah, so it's basically people who are actually in the 20s and early 30s. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that needs to, you know, this whole process, I think, is sort of adding to um, an element of weariness. And maybe yeah, that's yeah. why the shortages are there in the way that they weren't before. So I've been to see just what happens there. Um, Airbnb. Airbnb announced no parties worldwide uh, for the time being, which really shocked me because I would have thought they would have done that last year. And they probably did do it last year, but I think they, last year they focused very much on saying, we're not going to sell because they were frightened of liability, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, no parties. I think that it, it seemed a bit strange that they are having to almost announce that because I think that would be the default position of most bookings, regardless of where you go. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think it might be an indication of, um, well, perhaps a number of things. Airbnb were, were criticised the first time around um, in, with COVID that, that they took the side, understandably, of, of the guest, because if there were no guests, if there was no demand, then then uh, property providers wouldn't have any uh, any market. So, But maybe they're cautious about, maybe they're trying to protect the hosts there. But also perhaps the um, the strap line for hospitality as we're coming out of COVID should be its change. And maybe everybody again across the whole market will realise at some point that things have changed and that there are longer that they don't that for example with Airbnb now they don't need those real short term parties it's that that bring with them trouble you know have to close down the accommodation sometimes afterwards just to clear up the mess um and and you know buy buy the TVs and things um because they've moved into the longer term market perhaps extended stay markets yeah. I mean, one could also argue they're being quite cynical because uh, last year their value plummeted, didn't it? When when they had to so, had so few bookings coming through, so now they're trying to sort of re reposition themselves in such a way that they can actually sustain not just you know issues to, of um, fewer fewer bookings happening because of the pandemic, but maybe if there are other waves or if there's other concerns, they've got some kind of strategy now to say, okay. We, we can continue with business because we've learned from what we had to do last time. Yeah, it was interesting that they had announced it in the way they did because I would have thought they would have been pushing this uh, a lot earlier uh, in the pandemic. I think that there's well a couple of things there, really. Um, one is that it's, it's been tagged as revenge travel, certainly in the UK, although I did use it amongst uh, um, American colleague, uh, industry colleagues 
recently and they didn't understand the term revenge travel. So maybe it's a British thing, um, but it's certainly a frightening tag to have. And uh, maybe maybe Airbnb are a bit worried about the um, uh, the intent with which people will return to the partying. And, uh, you know, that could be quite serious. The other thing is... Um, with uh, a meeting with some uh, Canadian industry colleagues recently, and I don't know whether the, the stats are, are accurate, but they, they said that Airbnb had put out a stat that said that last year two percent of um, bookings were under th- were, were under thirty days, and now they are that twenty four percent of bookings are over thirty days. So there's been a really clear and dramatic shift there. Um, to longer bookings, which will have displaced a lot of parties. That's really strange, actually, because um, when you think about who they're competing with, Booking.com, Expedia, and the OTAs. You're right. uh, 30 days, that's like like a corporate booking almost, isn't it? As opposed to a leisure booking. That's right. But there is that kind of aspect, isn't there, with compliance and to what extent corporates are, are adhering to compliance or whether they have these lump sums for relocation that they just say, you know, there's your money, book what you want. And mm-hmm. uh, it does happen. I know that from first-hand experience of people uh, relocating. Yeah. Also, uh, obviously, some cities now have a minimum requirement. I think New York is a good example and some where they have a minimum requirement in, um, for a number of nights uh, that a person has to stay at a, an apartment uh, in particular. In fact, in New York, I think they've actually, for the next three months, they've... Um, the, the tax associated with renting, they've actually um, put it, they've effectively uh, put it down to zero to encourage tourism, which I think is which I think is really interesting because if you actually start thinking about it, a lot of these institutions are now understanding that they are themselves creating hurdles for to- tourism. Well, that's true, and, yeah. you know, and and maybe they're now getting a better understanding of you know what when the tourist comes. They are helping the community by allowing money to flow through into lots of organisations rather than just the guy who you're renting from. And maybe that will change their attitude towards hospitality and be less aggressive um, and more supportive of the tourist industry. Yeah, I mean, accommodation, you know, it, it shows how fickle it's, everyone is really, I suppose, supply and demand. Um you know, we might not be going to Spain anymore, and so the Spanish resorts will be will be thinking what's happening to to, to the Brits. Um, but we're all in in the UK. But similarly, you know, accommodation providers they might say, right, well, we don't really want the tourists anymore. We're going for contractors or 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 um, corporates. Um, what well, one thing's for certain, though, with regard to the supply, I think, and that's a, and we were talking about Airbnb, but thank goodness. Nobody operates in a vacuum, or at least not if the Monopolies and Mergers Commission have anything to do with it. And we've got people like Verbo, you know, VRBO, the old home away, um, holiday lettings, the TripAdvisor, they're out there. So it's a, it will be a bold step for anybody to, you'd like with the banning of parties, people will just go to Verbo, yeah. you know. So they've got to be very careful about the how dramatic their their, their, their changes are, really, I think. Yeah, but I think, and and also, I think the hosts are now going to become more wary of all of that stuff now. I mean, you cannot afford for your property to be taken off the market because you've got to clean up, you know, 
the mess that's created from parties and so on. So they're going to be far more on the ball about this than before. Absolutely, there's the emotional effect on the hosts as well, really. I think because if you if you you bear in mind that um, a, a lot are kind of you know uh, not totally they've not they've they've moved into hospitality perhaps from the property sector or something like that, and um, are still not as hardened to 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 or appro- approach it in in a more personal way is what I'm saying. Yeah, you yeah. know. If people want to live life like a local, the accommodation is also offered like a like a homeowner, and um, you know, and that also comes with the emotional effects yeah. when when you get the property trashed. So yeah, yeah exactly. And you know, hospitality, if you think about it, it's in the word, isn't it? We want to be hospitable, and the last thing that people want to do is get into an argument. And yeah, like, you know, you you end up saying well goodbye but then you end up dwelling on it for the next boom in six months oh really you know it's yeah. it's, 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 un, it's unpleasant yeah, yeah. So, um, so that so you know we we'll sort of keep an eye on that one um saber and saber were in the news uh this week and it was quite interesting because it came out of the blue i, I hadn't even realized this was going on um saber tried to uh buy fair logics and the reason i'm sort of mentioning this is because the Monopolies Commission stepped in out of the blue and stopped the actual transaction. And what the Monopolies Commission said was um, that if these two companies merged, they could actually affect the pricing significantly in the UK. And when it went to the tribunal, Sabre agreed with everything that the Monopolies Commission said, but then said they had no right to stop the actual merger. Okay. Um, Raj, I'm, I'm a kind of a, a bit of a philistine in, in some aspects of, of of the of the hospitality or, or sector industry. So, Sabre airline airline booking system yeah. and GDA uh, global exactly. distribution system. Um, so you can book you can book accommodation through Sabre. At least travel management companies can book through Sabre. Right. What's the other company though, please? Fair Logics. <laughs> Fair logic, um, and what they, to be quite honest, I think they just uh, help pr- pricing. I think. Oh, okay. But I mean, I'll look into that more. Uh, yeah. But it just seems it just seems that we tend to forget that in the pandemic, because of the pandemic, because of what's happened in hospitality, all of a sudden you can be pretty sure investors are out there like vultures, thinking, you know what, I'm gonna. The the values of these companies have fallen. Now is the time to pick them up. Yeah. And nobody, who's going to stop that? Who's going to stop those things from happening? And the fact that they, uh, the monopolies just stepped in and actually did it, I think it was a good thing. Um, I'm not saying that the outcome is a good one. I'm not saying that, uh, I'm, I, I don't know just how big an impact uh, Sabre and Fairlogics will have. It. I assume it's going to be quite significant if it's been seen by them. But mm-hmm. I think that um, from a, just from a consumer perspective, People need to know that there's somebody out there trying to protect them from actually being because you know if you actually think about what we were talking about before with pricing and so on, people are being wary of being you know of price gouging and all that kind of stuff that they think is going to start happening because people think that the hospitality industry is going to try to make up one year's revenue in six months. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very reassuring yeah. that, are, that the body actually functions like that um, on a kind of a, a domestic level. There are Payment processes. There, there are um, uh, soft, uh, hardware providers, and there are 
product distribution companies that that on a domestic level are themselves. I've been banned from using. I'm, I'm not allowed. <laughs> I, I I have to go down the market. I'm not allowed to um, book online uh, in that anymore. So um, what, you know, uh, purchase online. So yeah, in that because in that respect, because some companies simply what I'm really trying to say with all that is some companies become so big and. The problem isn't isn't the size, of course, is it? It's what they yeah. do then in the marketplace and, and where they go next. And um, you know. exactly, I think there's actually also this element of, um, and you see it in the states more, I think. But this, I think, there's a fear of big tech now. I think people are, you know, if you actually think about it, you think about you know, a few years ago, politicians were just wanting to line up and shake the hands of whoever owns Facebook, Amazon, Google. And now those same people are suddenly realize, uh, realizing that these companies have phenomenal power and it's hard to suppress them because if you say no, they turn around and say, well, your voters are going to be hurt. That's right. And they'd prefer to put a man on the moon than, uh, than cure cancer. So yeah. it's, you know, this is, it, it's, I, mean, I know it's oversimplifying over things, but there is, if they can do what they want, I mean, don't want to get too political about it, and, and I'm not a political animal generally anyway, but, um, you know, if they can do what they want, then they can destroy the world, it, 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 almost. Yeah, I think that I think that these kind of interventions, I think, I think really it's, um, I'm not saying it's driven from a politics perspective, but I think it's actually people now wary of, allowing big tech to become big tech it's better to have more companies that are slightly that are smaller rather than allowing the one company to just suddenly dominate even if it's 51 percent domination it can suddenly become 61 and then 71 and before you know it you can't even stop it and you know it, over gen, i'm generalizing massively here but it doesn't the size of the companies doesn't necessarily mean that the products are better or the prices are lower you know, in fact, often the opposite is the case, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. um, because they just simply have no competition. So yeah, competition is good, and uh, you know that's and yeah. yeah. So I thought it was interesting that they stepped in, and it'd be interesting to see what um, what happens on that. I think because if it's allowed mm-hmm. to go ahead, it'd be really interesting that if they put forward exa- uh, reasons they wanted to stop it, everybody agreed the reasons were correct. How can you then allow it to go forward? So it's going to be interesting to see just what happens with the tribunal. Um, yeah, it will be. Right. Last, early this week, it was early this, no, last week, sorry, last week, uh, BBC, the BBC actually had a news item that was carrying on its website as well as, um, on its 24 by 7 channel regarding, uh, doing bookings at a time of, uh, uncertainty. And it was effectively encouraging people to book in the UK, the holidays in the UK, and also to book abroad at the same time. And then, encouraging people just to cancel one of them, you know, when, when, when they decide where to go. And when I was watching this thing and also reading about it on the BBC website, I was actually thinking, does anybody in the BBC or does anybody understand the impact of this on hospitality? You know, the, and then you start thinking about the fact that, the, you know, the booking agents like the OTAs, booking.com, et cetera, are now trying to encourage everybody to, have cancellations periods where you're literally allowed to cancel day almost a day at another a day before arrival. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, um, I, I think that it's the terms and conditions, better, isn't it? Really, I think that the the the, the way in which 
transaction and way in which a transaction has been like um, transacted, you transacted transaction. Um, but people purchase in a certain way, and I think it's always happened. The fact that somebody has highlighted it in the news, I'd be surprised to be honest if people hadn't acted in in that fashion uh, in the in the past. Um, you know, hedging the bets. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's but to make it semi-official like that. Did you say it was the government? Uh, government? Uh, no, um, no, it was the BBC. It was a BBC news item, and the journalist was basically encouraging because the way it was edited, it was almost like encouraging everybody to book like that, which is crazy. Which I just thought was crazy. And I think that the other element of it is that people don't understand that actually getting last-minute bookings is a nightmare. If you get get loads of last-minute cancellations for those hotels that allow overbooking, it's not that big a deal, I suppose. But very few people are going to be wanting to do overbooking. You know, just think about where we are. If you do overbooking, where are you going to put the people if they all turn up? Well, that's right. I don't. People use the term swings and roundabouts, and I've never actually, in, in my 60 odd years now, uh, I've n- I still don't know what it means particularly, <laughs> but I'll use the term swings and roundabouts anyway. Um, I think because it is swings and roundabouts, isn't it? If, some, if, if that is how the market. W- moves and people are double booking um and will cancel another it stands to reason and you know the, the consumers out there or whatever they're purchasing will understand that the, the selling conditions will then become different and that they'll they'll have to say goodbye to the 30-day cancellations uh sorry the one-day cancellation you know that you can cancel the day before arrival because accommodation providers can't afford that, they will go and then move back to the one week, two weeks, one month cancellation policy because that's the way it is. You know, that's simply the way it's going to move. Yeah, I think I think it's inevitable that um, the proprietors are going to say, "Look, we need to protect our business," and they're going to take deposits. And I think that that's that's okay. Again, it comes down to how you sell it. You know, if you're going to book somewhere. And that that hotel's not telling you, or that provider's not telling you that they're overbooking. If everybody turns up, if you're the last one to check in, you're going to be the you're going to be the guy. If they turn around and say, oh, "Sorry, we got no space. Apologies for that. We're going to put you in another hotel." Nobody wants that. So I think that the um, deposit process will end up becoming a look. We've secured your accommodation. We guarantee that the room's going to be available to you and nobody else, and that's actually, I think, if it's sold in the right way and people actually understand it, I think people will be willing to pay that deposit. But if you have nobody paying anything, it just encourages loads of cancellations because prices drop. Other things yeah. will change. <clears throat> All of a sudden, you know, if people are able to change their um, plans at the last minute, which I think they'll be able to do, if you actually think about if we're going to be doing more uh, staycation-type bookings, What's to stop somebody, instead of going to Cardiff, going to Birmingham or going to Glasgow or going to uh, Northumberland? You know, yeah. what's to stop them? So yeah. I think there's going to be, you know, the, the industry is going to have to be very, very careful now if you're going to have that sort of approach taken. Yeah. I mean, I, I, with with this whole COVID thing, um, and looking at it from a really broad perspective, um and I, I hope that that there is that humanity, you know, that we come out of it with greater care for for fellow human beings, and res- greater respect um, for for other human beings. 
and this kind of goes in there as well, doesn't it? Because you know, consumers will should should appreciate that if if a certain market condition could exist like that, people are going to be going out of business. That lovely lady you stayed with last summer has gone out of business because of the new buying trends of of the public, and and. It's almost like saying uh, on a household basis, I'm not going to be booking through that large online uh, distributor because, you know, it, of how it destroys the world or whatever they do with it. Um, and in the same way, you know, I'm so, I'd be saying, well, you know, no, I do want to pay that commission. I do respect that cancellation policy. I won't double book. You, you know, I guarantee. So maybe it's some way of that where, where the, the booker can guarantee to the summer i don't know really that it's the booker reassuring the accommodation provider that they are going to stay booking rather than the accommodation provider insisting through the cancellation policy who knows but i think one thing's for for, for certain things are going to change um yeah i think that, i think that obviously people are going to be doing more direct bookings now because they want to know more about the hotel and location all that kind of stuff that's inevitable um, but what's going to be interesting is that those people booking through the OTAs at Booking.com and Expedia, um, for years now, those organisations have been trying to almost screen the proprietors and the, the hotels away from the customer. And now I think that um, they need to allow the proprietors and the hotels, etc., to actually reassure the customers in such a way that they are the right people to actually come to. So I think, and that will also help build that rapport that says, look, we're not going to, that it helps to sort of reinforce the idea of a, a deal, isn't it? You're doing the right thing. We're doing the right thing. Um, and we're not yeah. going to cancel. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, um, ha- it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I think we're going to, we're going to sort of see the repercussions quite quickly once we come out of, um, lockdown. You know, if, if you actually think about it by the 21st of June, how much do you want to bet the minute 21st of June happens? And let's say, um, 60, 70% of the population is vaccinated. All of a sudden, every country in the world is going to say, please come here. So all of a sudden, you're going to find the industry in the UK is going to be clobbered with loads of cancellations if they're not careful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. hopefully hopefully, people will respect the fact that they've actually booked and they'll stay in, in with those people they've booked with. I, I think that then prices come into it as well, don't they? Although um, a given destination or destinations might might open the doors, if BA if BA no don't have any seven three sevens anymore, didn't they get rid of them all? I think. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, they started getting rid of the big flames. Yeah, yeah, the really big ones. Yeah. So I mean, who, who's going to take them there? Um, you know, it, it's I'm sure kind of right. I'm sure, I'm sure Mr. O'Leary will find a way. <laughs> Maybe, uh, yeah. Yeah. I've never got on Ryanair. Easy. I've been on EasyJet, but yeah. No, I've been on Ryanair. I've been on Ryanair. It was. It's it's very strange actually, Ryanair. Um, I'm not. I have no problems with it. I'm not. Last time I flew on a Ryanair, it was fine. But they do tend to go to airports out in the middle of nowhere, so you end up having to really think about how to get to where you want to get to when, it, when you when you land. It's not a straightforward thing. I don't know if they still do use for the. the but I don't know if it's Ryanair or EasyJet, and uh, and Frankfurt was like you know it, it was nearer to Stuttgart or something <laughs> like you know it's like it, it it was it was some crazy airport that wasn't Frankfurt at all. Um, but yeah, but nevertheless, supply and demand isn't there. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and to be honest, you can't complain because the price is so no. cheap. So you know you, you yep. got to. I mean, the model. Yeah, you can't. I mean, anybody who complains about it, 
yeah. really should reflect on the fact that, you know, what are they doing for that price? Who else can do it at that price? On the price, that's right. And then you've got the and you've got the infrastructure that springs up around it, where you've got then the cheap buses that take you from one city to another or collect you from the airport to live, deliver you to where, where you are. Um, so, no, it's, it's um, yeah. It, yeah. It's... In fact, talking about um, planes and trains and automobiles, I suppose, um, <laughs> Gatwick Airport have uh, announced they're going to um, start charging for pickups. And, you know, it's one... I can appreciate they want to start charging because the last time I was at Gatwick was uh, last year when uh, I picked up Grumman that she'd come back from Switzerland and um, there was nobody at the airport. I mean, it was absolutely empty. So you can appreciate the fact that uh, they need to start getting some revenue. I think we all, but did, I think it's about five pound for ten minutes or whatever it is, and the, you know the going to charge up to about £30 or whatever the price is, I think that's going to count against uh, the airport. I think it's going to have a really bad sort of impact on people because, one, it's a nightmare to even get – when it's busy, it's a nightmare to pick up anybody up anyway. Yeah. And, you know, and I actually think that what's going to happen is people are just going to end up either going around in circles and hoping that they can just – runs into their blooming car and dives in through the window – um, <laughs> or, you know, you're going to have to have a car that's so small, you're going to have to wonder, can they get the suitcase in it? Because there's so many cars in the blooming rank. There's... Uh, it's a horrible thought, isn't it? I mean, there might be smaller airports, but can you imagine going around Heathrow doing doing that? Um, yeah. the, they did have something, but before COVID even, I, I, I was a bit worried that once, like that you can't drop off people at arrivals or the other way around or something like that. And I'd done that, and I, there was going to be a £60 fine, I think I noticed the, yeah. the sign saying. Um, but sadly, I think that we'll find that they can afford to, to levy those sort of costs. I remember it was in the mid-90s. It was around the time of the advent of the internet, actually, I think. And um, and I think it was Lufthansa that did the first move, where they stopped in-flight um, meals, and they started giving sandwiches instead. And I thought that, hey, you know, people are going to move to another airline. That's just not going to take off. And look at it now, you yeah. know. So those harsh kind of changes are harsh. Yeah, of course, I love those airline meals. Um, not that I'm a frequent traveler, but, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think they can probably afford to levy those changes. We're going to have to lump it, I think. Sadly. Yeah, but I think that you know, it's inevitable that prices are going to go up because of what's happened generally. Yeah. It's just an inevitable thing, isn't it? But, yeah, we'll be, yeah. but when people suddenly start getting hit with those additional fees, especially if it's family picking you up and your family picking you up, you know, and they're now getting hit with a charge, the guy, the guy who's driving the car is getting hit with a charge. It's, I, I, I don't know. I think it's got, it just leaves a very bad taste in the mouth afterwards. And you end up, I think long term, you end up thinking, well, I'd rather buy from Heathrow. Uh, in, in the same way that, <clears throat> that, you know, we know and, you know, we can talk about this on another occasion, perhaps, but the repurposing of buildings in the same way that could be repurposing of land. Let's say that there is some bit of vacant land close to a, a nearby tube station, if we're talking about London, then, you know, somebody could say, tell you what, let's do, let if they if people get a tube from Heathrow to, I don't know, Hatton Cross, and there's some big car park, potential car park there where they can just to collect people there you know 
it, it, it's the, it, again we're going back to the market supply and demand really aren't we that it, something could shift and you could get get the tube to some nearby place where they can pick you up free of charge or as a lower cost mm-hmm. I don't know um, yeah, I think I think it would at least throw that's a possibility but with a lot of the other airports highly unlikely yeah. the, the airports yeah. are kind of positioned themselves in a way that they can only be accessed by bus or car and it's um, if, if, that, if you problem. see me on Dragon's Den shortly, Raj, with, uh, with a proposition that I'm going to buy up land close to every <laughs> airport, <laughs> then, then you know you'll know where it started, and I'll thank you for this. Uh, this scene yes, of, uh, yeah, no, basically, it's, it's, I think the you know, the travel industry um, needs it needs to be able to make sure that people can travel obviously safely, but they need to be able to feel that they can go through that process again without feeling like they're being fleeced. Yeah, yeah, it's because yeah. um, that, that's, that's that's how you change things, isn't it? You allow the change to be. Now you talked about the you talked about the meals in terms of the going from hot meals to sandwiches. How much do you want to bet they went out of their way to make sure their sandwiches were tasty, and they made sure that they. I mean, probably not now. Who knows? I don't know. But at that time, they're as worried as everybody else, and yeah. I think that we should accept that things are going to change. But we need to also think about people wanting to go again. I mean, one of the things that I'm hoping uh, we see is that if people are staying in country, that they do more trips. I mean, it'd be nice to people should go back to the old days of actually learning a bit about their country by traveling around it. Um, And if that can happen, that'd be great. But you'd want them to be able to go through a similar process each time rather than, you know, have a story that they put on Instagram saying, God, wasn't it horrible? Okay. Um, have you come across any new ideas or uh, things that may help the listener? Um, yeah, thanks, thanks, Raj. Um, this is, this suggestion is probably about as new as the arc, which is to have a plan. Um, and even then, there were, there were there were two animals that went in one by one, weren't there, or two by two. Um, so it it's um, it's really even before COVID. It, People moving into property and then moving into hospitality, it was very important to have a plan of where you're going. And it's even more so now um, important. So you you choose to move into, into property and then into hospitality. Decide whether you are a property person or a hospitality person or to what degree you're a combination of each. Will you be making money from the property or from the the, the guests? Um, and when you have a, an idea of that, and let's say it's hospitality, then your market, your target market, will it be leisure, corporate or contractor? And those different markets will subdivide as well. But let's be general, those three, leisure, corporate, contractor. And whether your your hopes and your aims are realistic in the context of the geographical location of your property, properties or portfolio, um, it, it's really a, a matter of whether you will survive or, or not, because it has to be realistic. Um, there's no point in having a five bed house in Cornwall and think you're going to um, target the, the corporate market um, as an example. Um, so yeah, so that would be so my 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 tip would be a, a very a very broad one of have a plan and know what the landscape looks like. 
That's cool. That's cool. And without a plan, you know, you're never going to succeed if you actually think about it. And people shouldn't just run into this kind of stuff because they can get bitten quite badly if they don't. Well, I always used to get really, I used to get into trouble when I used to go shopping because I'd spend about three hours in Tesco and it's because I didn't have a shopping list. <laughs> so you always have to have a plan, yeah. whatever you're doing, you know. Exactly. And exactly. And I think the one thing about hospitality, you know, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a hotel, whatever it is, um, the plan needs to be quite broad in terms of actually is it going to meet your expectations and personal aspirations. And a lot of this stuff it tends to get forgotten about. You, if you run into it too quickly, it can be horrendous. Yeah. It can be very costly. Uh, it can be so costly you wouldn't even want to think of the consequences sometimes, you know, yeah. not just financial. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've come across one that's quite interesting. Um, you know, sometimes... Because you're so close to technology and you're providing technology and you're talking to people who are using technology, you tend to think that everybody knows most of the stuff that they need to know. Um, we had a situation um, where uh, one of our customers um, called me, the actual owner of the um, holiday park called me and said, Raj, I, I work really hard. Uh, and she's got 40 odd units and she works really hard. And she wants to be able to have Christmas Day off, New Year's uh, Day and her birthday, as well as uh, public holidays, I suppose, in some respects. Um, and she said, look, look, can we do anything to help her by not uh, having people arrive on those days and not having them part on those days? Because especially with Christmas Day and New Year's uh, Day, when people are departing, you can end up having a pay overtime for a starter. Secondly, it can be quite, you know, if, if you, where's your own family time and try to deal with those days. And so we looked at it and on the system, we um, made available an option to say no arrivals and no departures on those particular days. And I think that people don't realise how straightforward that is. Uh, it, it doesn't affect your bookings substantially, if, if, if at all. And it's a relatively straightforward thing to do. And I think people just need to know. They should ask their pr providers or their systems to make sure it's available. Yeah. And, because yeah, you know, you know th those type of family type things, people tend, we tend to forget that, you know, as well as providing the technology, we've got to think about the people who use this technology and making life easy it isn't just about running the hotel or running the service department. It's also making life easier by giving more time with your family. And these type of ideas, I think, are really, really simple to implement and yeah i think people just know that they should be looking at that that there is a solution and it's probably available with most systems it's just that you know they tend to sort of like you know like the like the short con i don't know excel or whatever it is you don't know about it when you see it it's wow it becomes one of those things uh, it's nice to know it's nice to to know that that there is technology that that's um, appropriate for for the accommodation providers as they are today which are smaller than not necessarily huge corporations and like you say though that the importance of family life or their own personal goals comes into it and they're using technology um to to achieve those those own their own personal goals and uh, yeah i mean it has massive values to to, to life generally doesn't it it's, um, absolutely and the way that they the way that they will um then regard others and the, and the way that they run their businesses so kind of would you say micro businesses i don't know really but um it, it it's, i think it's, 
Yeah, I think that one of the things is that, um, you know, when one looks at technology, whether you're small or big, you've got to, you know, you have to look after your employees. It's very easy to forget to say you've got to look after yourself as well. Okay. So that means that, you know, these sort of ideas, you shouldn't be afraid to implement them. If with your big or small, with your big yeah. or small, you shouldn't be afraid to implement them because at the end of the day, there was a lot of, um, discussion now and it's good that there's a lot of talk about mental health and uh, family welfare etc but you know these kind of things maybe businesses should actually start thinking about okay if the technology allows us to do these simple things does it affect our business that much no not really i mean how many people want to come in on christmas day but why do you need to have them you know why not just say okay we're not going to have check-ins on that day or departures on that day it doesn't, is it really going to hurt your business? But will it help your employees? Will it help the families? Will it help you know, those other sides of the business that actually just mean your employees know they're being considered in the in the overall picture? And and the how you treat your employees, how how your potential clients see you, you are what you are, aren't you? And and you know you you aren't. You aren't like it or not. You're not competing with the Hilton down the road or or what have you, because it's a totally different offering. And if if a, a potential client likes what you're offering, they will take that whole package of the the the, the coziness or or whatever your your how it, to whatever degree the accommodation to whatever size the accommodation is. They will. You are a smaller operator. It used to absolutely fascinate me with mailings in the old days, like snail mail, how large companies would try and do their mailings to make them look small. You know, it's some poor person writing out in hand on the letter. And small companies would do it all trying to make out that they're looking, that they look big. You're small or you're big and you've, and you have benefits, you know, if each has a benefit um, to the, the client. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, that sounds great. And, you know, unashamedly close out your dates for arrival on some. And if that technology, you're saying then that that technology does exist, Raj? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been around for a long time. It's just that people tend not to know about it. It's like, I, I think there's so much out there. You don't need to reinvent the wheel all the time. There's so much out there that, you know, people either have been told about it and they've then forgotten because they get busy and doing things, or they just don't realize that what they think is complex is just a press of a button. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, and things are always changing, aren't they? You talk about reinventing the wheel. I wish they'd reinvent the low-profile tyre because it's cost a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you so. You know, the, I'm, I'm picking my car up uh, later on. I took the car out just a couple of weeks ago just to make sure it was okay. I get to a red light. I'm stopped. guy behind me just goes straight into the back of me. They think... I haven't been out much. I've got to explain to the insurance people that a guy who hasn't driven much in the last year or so has got had an accident almost five minutes after his hour. Oh, it's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. But, you know, hey-ho, that's just the way life is, isn't it? Well, exactly. exactly. Okay. That's dreadful. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, no one was yeah. hurt, and it's just one of those things. Yeah. Gosh. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. This is Raj saying goodbye, and hopefully um, you'll join us again next week. Thanks. Bye.
Yeah, Roger, and and thank you for thank you for for this whole experience. I've really enjoyed it, and and um, yeah, I, I I hope that the the listeners have enjoyed this as well. So thank you.